A Business Couch with Dr. Yishai, episode 182. Welcome to The Business Couch with Dr. Yishai. I'm your host, Dr. Yishai Barkadari, psychologist and adaptability coach to entrepreneurs and business leaders. I believe that working on your business is more important than working in your business. If you want to achieve your business goals and dreams without the cost and pain of having to make every mistake yourself, then The Business Couch with Dr. Yishai is the podcast for you. I'm here to help you learn from the lessons of entrepreneurs and business leaders to help you work on yourself and your business so that you can save time, energy, and grow faster. For those of you new to the show, The Business Couch with Dr. Yishai presents three new episodes each week. On Insight Sunday, we dive into the minds of business leaders through insightful guest interviews. On Story Tuesday, we dig deeper with them and learn firsthand from their stories, hard-earned lessons, and experience. On Thrive Thursday, it's just you and me on the couch, where you'll hear scientific research, my thoughts, and tangible tactics to adapt and grow yourself and your business. Grab a proverbial seat and listen up so you can learn from the minds and mistakes of business leaders and apply their wisdom to your life and business. Insight Sunday conversation was so packed and full of value that I just had to share it with you in two parts. In part one, Janice shared the story behind her passion, advocacy, and consulting firm. We dug into the mindset and decisions that got Janice to make the ball get rolling, as well as how she harnessed her adaptive brain to create colossal change. In part two, we're digging into how Janice created a vision for a more accessible world and how she used travel, advocacy, and consulting to shift the world into alignment with her new vision. Before we dive in, I wanted to share that the Business Couch with Dr. Yishai is brought to you by Adaptability Coaching and Consulting. If you lead a seven-plus-figure business and want to reach the next level for yourself and your business, if you have passions, goals, and dreams, and want to continue to strive as a team, a leader, and a visionary without risking burnout. If you have overcome challenges, developed wisdom, and know that adapting is not just for surviving, but a core part of thriving, then adaptability coaching is for you. With psychology and neuroscience-backed tools, the 3D adaptation framework can show you how to tap into and harness the way our brains are uniquely designed for adaptation. You can learn to harness and leverage adaptability tools and frameworks to grow yourself and your company. You can learn to become fast, flexible, and formidable. You can learn to hone yourself further, to proactively adapt, to thrive, instead of reactively adapting, just to survive. To learn more, go to dryishai.com coaching. The anger was turned into action. And if we all had to process all the slights of the world every single day, we wouldn't be able to function. And it would, it, because it's just overwhelming, especially in this world, it would be, be overwhelming, hard. right? Yeah. It would be overwhelming. But the problem was, it was the people whose job it was to be aware of those issues were, mm-hmm. didn't care. 
it was a blase attitude. They became very aware and suddenly did start to care. When I testified about it before, I mean, that's what you Sherry, the National Park Service Committee in Congress, they suddenly, suddenly did care. And we mm-hmm. rewrote rules. I worked with an incredible man, the deputy director of the national parks, mm-hmm. Don Murphy. We wrote these individual papers. And then we had so many of them. <laughs> I remember him saying, okay, which one are we doing this week? And we had so many. He's like, mm-hmm. you know, I think we need to write guidelines. And eventually they didn't move forward. And I remember with Ellis Island, my daughter's class was going to Ellis Island and they too lack of access and didn't care. And I'm like, we're going on a school trip. And the way the ADA works is sometimes people think you need to provide notice ahead of time, which is preposterous because Mm -hmm. there are some museums I've been waiting for, like the Smithsonian for 15 years. How much notice do you really need? Uh I mean, like, right. That's a lot of notice. And Ellis Island was not moving forward either. And I remember I'd worked so hard on Ellis Island, making, having meetings, flying to where they build exhibits for the national parks in Harpers Ferry, Virginia, that Harpers Ferry, West Virginia, sorry. I remember I contacted the Secretary of Interior at the time, Secretary Norton, and I sent him a 17-page phone log of all the contacts, meetings I had and with summaries, who I spoke to, the date, everything. And I sent it with a scheduling request and said, I'd like to set up a meeting to discuss these issues. And suddenly a meeting was set up, not with him, but with John Jarvis, who became the director of the National Parks, an amazing mm-hmm. person. Subsequently, he became the director and we wrote guidelines to implement the guidelines, how to help the national parks. And it was suddenly this was no longer acceptable. But because Mm. I had developed this chronology of everything I had done, it was clear that I was a force to be reckoned with and accepting the status quo was not going to work Mm -hmm. and that it had to change. And luckily, I worked with incredible people. I mean, there were people in the parks that were blocking the change. And this is something that I found was systemic. People who were complacent in their positions due to unions, due to tenure, and just really stopped caring at some point Mm. for whatever reason. And those people suddenly resigned. And it's happened frequently. And Mm. so they suddenly have resigned. And then the progress moves because society as a whole has to move forward. You can't just leave people out. I don't care what the reason is. Everybody has to be included. We have to have an inclusive society. And so that's what I've done. And I've systematically done this in New York, around the United States, and globally. And my goal is to make sure that every person who has a hearing loss can fully participate in society. Mm-hmm. Well, it started as just for my daughter. Mm-hmm. Now, this is my payback. My daughter has succeeded. Mm-hmm. And this is the payback I give to others. And also, I joke and I say, now I'm planning for my future. Right. Some of these projects take 15 years. Mm-hmm. That's going to put me well into my 70s by that point. Mm. I better start planning. Yeah. Yeah. And it really strikes me how much, as you were talking about that, it started with your daughter. And coming back to some of those mindset pieces, it started with it wasn't a question. It was as a parent, you walked into the situation and said, My daughter may be special, but not that kind of special. And I won't lower my bar. And What drove you from that place was all these moments, that emotion system, that adaptive system, and that adaptive system told you these are issues, and you then shared that message. You found ways of conveying that message to the people who needed to see and hear it. And obviously, you know, the legal system and it having teeth helped that, helped that along in such an important way. The driving process for you was that beginning point 
that it wasn't even a question. I was also struck by how you said this at the very beginning. You didn't ask yourself if it was or wasn't possible. You started with, look, my daughter has a right to have access to this and I as a parent won't accept any less. And from that place, you then experienced your adaptive system showing you, generating that new awareness, new analysis, and new action. And then you push that into the environment, the people and the places for them to also engage in that process. And of course, they worked and it's been working. And then it sounds to me like it became a broader mission and it got broadened to not just your daughter, but anyone else who experiences this. Now you have a frame of reference and it's a frame of reference that I'm hearing as you share and give that frame of reference to more people, they really get on board with the mission too. It's hard not to. How can anybody imagine having their child not be able to learn, not be able to experience, not be able to enjoy the world as it is? You would think, but there are some pretty awful people in this world. Mm. I refuse to focus on them, but there are some pretty Mm. awful people in this world who really honestly do not care. Mm. They view people with disabilities as about them versus us. Mm. They think they walk between the raindrops. And my mission is to make them care. And just like you said, at some point I went to law school and I had taken time off to have my daughter. I found my purpose. When I went to law school, my goal was to change the world. I didn't know, Mm -hmm. I thought it was going to work in children's issues. I didn't realize this was going to be about disabilities, Mm -hmm. but my goal was to help children's advanced children's issues work probably in domestic violence and some sort of abuse. This became my purpose in life Mm -hmm. and I found my path and I became good at it. And I really loved it. It was like, it gave me the reason to wake up in the morning, so to speak, you know, Mm -hmm. where you have that incredible purpose that you feel like you're doing something. And it feels funny to say that because that's how how this started. But at Mm -hmm. some point there was a change and I love what I'm doing and I love the impact. And I love Mm -hmm. when people tell me the impact it has on that. You can't get better than that, right? Like, I'm sure you feel that with the podcast, when something has an impact positively on another person's life, Mm -hmm. that's the dream. That's the goal in life. That's when you have that. Somebody asked me the other day, what is success? That's success to me. Mm -hmm. And I said something and I didn't really love my own answer. Success to me is when you have a positive impact on someone else's life. Mm -hmm. That is the holy grail. Mm. You've just now got the breast ring and you're good to go. And so I love doing it. I'm good at it. And it ties into my travel. I think that has been the benefit of my travel is Mm -hmm. seeing so many places. Yeah. It seems like that was the linkage point, right? That's how you came into contact with the induction loop technology, which had existed since 1978. I mean, for me, I'm imagining being in that position and being just furious and frustrated as well in that moment, right? Those moments of connection, your traveling helped you see. And also being in that environment and thinking in this way, is there access, which became your purpose and your mission. And I want to add one other piece to this that I'm hearing. And at least this is what I'm hearing from you. And it might be, it sounds like it's the answer that's connected. It seems to me that as you have been going through the world, you have seen that the world can be shaped in a different way, in a new way. And that's the dream. The dream is for the world to be shaped in a different way. I think you said it at the very beginning, it's easier to change the world and lower my standards. And so what happened was your image of the world 
shifted. And every day, every moment that you are working towards shifting the world into your image, this dream, this change that's so important, is a day that you're fulfilling this. You're fulfilling it for yourself. You're fulfilling it for your daughter, who it sounds like, you know, has been flourishing in so many ways, so much because of the trailblazing that you're doing. And whenever you get that feedback, whenever somebody says, thank you, what you've been doing has changed my world. I live in a world that's more aligned with your dream than the reality that you were told or the reality that I used to have. That very point, I would say it validates, but it's not about validating. It's you getting the feedback that what you're doing is really aligning with and your mission, your dream is being realized. Without a doubt. And it's amazing because I would see as I traveled sporadic pockets of access in places. Some mm -hmm. countries like the UK and some of the Commonwealth countries have more access than others. Scandinavia has a lot, but other places would be one-off projects. And they didn't really understand. Like it'd mm -hmm. be almost like somebody complained about that project. And I was like, okay, but if it works in an elevator, Azerbaijan, or it works in an elevator in Nigeria, why does NUK, why doesn't it work in an elevator in the United States, right? Mm -hmm. And if it works in a taxi in the UK, and now it's in New York, and now it's also in Azerbaijan, well, in Los Angeles, it should work in those same taxis, right? Mm. And it helps by taking the photographs like the one behind me and using that as photographic evidence mm -hmm. of proof of concept. And so that's what I would do. And I would use them in my comments. So anytime there's legislation, people have to submit comments about, well, they should submit comments. They don't have to, but they should submit comments about what they think positively and negatively of the comments. It could be a full-time job because as you can imagine, mm -hmm. 50 states, 50 millions of cities and the federal government, you could be doing this full-time job. And that's what I started doing. And it's an unrealistic objective because nobody has the time. So I picked the significant comments that I thought were important. And what I would use is the photographs from access around the world that was specific to that topic. So for example, the Department of Transportation, the U.S. Department of Transportation, wanted comments about hearing access in airports. I submitted photographs with proof of concept of the induction loops in airports all over the world, mm -hmm. but not in the United States. Why? Mm -hmm. And I had started working with Delta Airlines on the project. There really is no answer other than just either no one thought about it in aptitude or people, again, are blasé about the issue. All three are not good answers. Right. So now induction loops are starting to be implemented as the airports are upgrading. And you're mm -hmm. starting to see ear symbols in airports mm. around the country. In Newark, there will be in the airport. So that is a significant change that can happen by taking those local photos. And it's been helping because people send me photos when they see mm. the ear symbols. And I welcome anyone who sees ear symbols anywhere, take a photograph of the sign so I can see the contacts where it is, shoot it to me through my website and you know put where it is and the country and the city. And that is super helpful. I can't be everywhere. So I need everyone to help me. One friend was just in Israel where there's incredible access and I got a whole bunch of photographs mm. and it was just, wow, that is super helpful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It helps you accumulate evidence. And I mean, in my brain, I was like one part lawyer, 
right? Accumulating evidence, documenting, right? Figuring out the channels and how to push this through. And on the other hand, it also, it shows people not just what's possible, but what exists, what is already there. And that makes a very big difference because there's a very big difference when someone is standing at a precipice and they're like, oh, I have to build the bridge to go over it versus telling them, no, someone else has already built the bridge. You could actually pay them and they'll duplicate it and you'll get a second one. You could just put it where you're at. Well, that's a lot less work. And it tells people that they don't have to do something the first time around, especially if it's been around for a while and the technology is well-developed or well-integrated, it makes the entry, the barrier to entry much, much lower. I wish we had more time. The conversation is just so incredible. We are going to need to jump into what I call a couch round, which is some questions to answer pretty quickly. And then we're going to wrap up. So I wanted to kick it off, if you're ready, with first, in your experience, does growth happen in quantum leaps or in small increments? It varies. Mm -hmm. Some of the growth has gone in quantum leaps and some has been very, very small increments. It really depends on the individual who oversees it and their mindset. Hmm. So I've had projects go like an instant yes. And I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, what did I do that caused it? And it happens to be the mindset of the person who's hmm. saying yes. So that's a really big lesson for leadership. And it's a big lesson for anyone who's working with or has to deal with leadership. Thank you. Next, is innate talent or skill development more important in business? Again, a combination. I think mm-hmm. probably most things are. I think you have to have an innate talent. For me, my organization is, you know, I'm dealing with a lot of places and I'm incredibly organized, like mm. insanely organized. So I think that innate talent of organization really helps. But I'm learning new skills all the time. Hence, mm-hmm. I'm going to Harvard because my goal is to learn new skills. Mm-hmm. I think you have to take your innate talent and either refine the talents you have and expand your talents. And I definitely think there are some talents that are harder to expand because Mm -hmm. the likelihood of me suddenly understanding really complex science things, you know, in terms of like how a television really works. I don't really understand that. It's been explained Mm -hmm. to me multiple times, but likely not to, but I understand the concept and I know how to hire Mm -hmm. people who can. So Mm -hmm. I can take the talents I have and expand them and be better. But I think it's not quite one box or the other. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Thank you. Next, what type of content have you been consuming lately and how do you consume content, whether that's for business or pleasure? I consume content. Again, like I'm not somebody who just does one thing. I consume like this. I'm taking content, right? Here's a podcast, right? I sit Mm -hmm. and take notes from during the podcast, right? Mm -hmm. While I'm interviewing, I could be watching a movie. I'm taking notes during the movie. Mm -hmm. Somebody will say something that will resonate with me and I'm writing that down and I maintain a list of it. I could be reading an article and I'm cutting out the article and those certain. So I'm somebody who consumes constantly. Uh Yeah. Someone once referred to me as an information vacuum. I love that. Yeah. And it seems like that phrase applies here. So I wanted to share that with you. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm an information, without a doubt, again, you were going back to the organization. I corral that information Mm -hmm. into a way I can access it so Mm -hmm. that it's not because I have a horrible memory. So it's not like I'll just remember it. Yeah. Well, it sounds like you make sure that it's accessible to you. Exactly. Yeah. Next question. Where and how can people find or connect with you and with your company? And if they're uh, interested in what you do. Well, thank you. I would love to connect with people. I'm accessible through two ways. 
or three ways, actually, through my consulting company is Hearing Access and Innovations, and the website is hearingaccess.com. On an advocacy level, my advocacy site is janislintz.com, and of course, LinkedIn under Janice Lintz. Great. So all those are going to be in the show notes. All those links are going to be in the show notes so that those of you who are interested, you'll have it right at your fingertips. You can be in touch with Janice. I wanted to say, yeah, I want to say thank you so much for joining and sharing your thoughts and wisdom when it comes to leadership, advocacy. I mean, so many different areas, access, passion, also your mindset and the process through which you have become and you have engaged in changing the world which again, really, to me, comes back to what you were saying at the very beginning, fulfilling that part of you, that thought process, that belief, it's easier to change the world than lower my own bar, my own standards. And so I wanted to thank you today for listening. I wanted to say thank you so much, Janice, for sharing. And just to do a really brief recap, Janice, you shared your own process, your own experience, your own journey from your daughter experiencing hearing loss and then going to places in New York City and as you travel, because travel is your oxygen, you went to all these different places, you started noticing both ways in which your daughter couldn't participate in the world, which she absolutely should and has the right to be able to. And also you started experiencing and noticing ways in which in parts of the world, they were creating that. And so you were able to connect these things, which travel became the kind of fabric that connected them. And you became the connector for those things, as well as, you know, when you went to and the stories you shared about going to a national park and the system being broken, the speaker system being broken and the consequence of that and your willingness and putting in the time, energy and effort and to file a complaint and knowing how to do that in the right way. And then doing that enough times that Congress contacted you and said, hey, you're kind of an expert in this. We see you sharing it and letting us know where the issues are. Come and help us understand this. Come and help us fix this. Come and help us make this change. Come and help us make sense of what's going on and how to make it better. And so thank you for sharing that. Thank you also for sharing the process through which the mindset and the adaptive process, the emotions that drove you and why, and how deeply that's connected to your mission and how that mission, which started with you and your daughter, moved into really changing accessibility for everybody. I really, really cannot thank you enough. And I want to say, I can't wait to dive deeper into your hard-earned lessons and learn more on Story Tuesday. Thank you. I really enjoyed discussing this with you, Yishai. And thank you so much for all your time and insight as well. Thanks for joining us today on The Business Couch with Dr. Yishai. If you enjoyed today's episode, take a moment to rate and review the podcast. It helps grow the show and gives more people like you the ability to learn and grow. You can also click the share button to share today's episode directly with someone you know who would enjoy it. The Business Couch with Dr. Yishai podcast artwork is made by Sam Barkadari, show notes by Yishai Barkadari, and music by www.purple-planet.com. The advice and opinions of the host and guests are our own. I'm a psychologist, but not your psychologist. The conversations and content of this podcast do not contain or create any psychology practice, diagnosis, or therapist-patient relationship with either the guest or the listener. So do your own research before using anything from this podcast. Thank you for listening. Remember, our thoughts and reactions affect our actions. By listening, we can learn from the challenges others face and the choices they make so that we can make better decisions and get better results. 